Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I'm your host, songwriter Matt Targa. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way, as an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today is someone who splits his time between Mars, Pennsylvania, and the Upper East Side of New York City. He is one Neil Wojdowski, or Wojo for short. He is a musician, a storyteller, and exciting live performer. Wojo describes his sound as, quote, rooted in alternative rock, dipped in coffee shop acoustic, with a dash of grunge and a smooth, melodic finish. I asked Neil what he is working on creatively or inspiring him at the moment. He responded enthusiastically that he is planning to cut a couple of singles and release his third EP. So be on the lookout for his releases and please visit his website in our show notes. In terms of Neil's favorite sport or activity, this is Neil's 23rd season actively competing in pole vault. And this year, he soared to the height of 15 feet and 6 inches. Other favorite sports or activities include longboarding, snowboarding, and unfortunately, soccer is no longer in the cards. And uh, I feel your pain, Neil. Favorite TV shows to watch or stream include American Dad, Family Guy, Bob's, Rick and Morty, Archer, The Amazing World of Gumball, and Teen Titans. We asked Neil if he has any pet peeves for fun, and he replied with the following. Blatant displays of littering in public places really grind his gears. And the same goes for generally poor etiquette and outright disregard for others. Wojo has decided to shift our focus to an Australian rock band known collectively as Silverchair, and their debut album from 1995 titled Frog Stomp. Frog Stomp was released on Murmur slash Epic Records and recorded at Festival Studios in Piermont, New South Wales, Australia. Kevin Caveman surely produced, mixed, and mastered the entire record. And one thing to note, the members of Silverchair were merely 15 years old and in high school when they released their debut effort. Neil, or should I say Wojo, thank you very much for joining us on Cover to Cover today. I'm excited to talk with you about Silverchair's debut record. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for having me as well. I do appreciate that. Let's get settled into our conversation right here. What made you choose this particular record? Um, I'm going to say that for this, this in particular, I chose this um, as because, mostly because it was a uh, an early time in my life. I think where I I was really my what my tastes were or what my songwriting was going to be was starting to become you know, uh, rooted in this and, and really starting to take shape. And I, I, I really think in particular this, uh, this album and I guess the, the idea um, that you have these group of 15-year-olds, uh, I'm probably like, what, 13 or 14 at the time, um, and I'm, I'm like, oh, heck, if, if a bunch of 15-year-olds can, can rock out and make some pretty bang and grunge music than I can too. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't have to you know, be an opera singer, um, to make great tunes. Uh, I can, I can sing with emotion and sing with all that passion that they bring and, um, and still make some really great, 
good stuff. So I think it, I think it just, I chose it in particular because it really um, influenced and, and shaped a lot of my early songwriting. Um, but that still is kind of where my songwriting is rooted in today. I'm still playing the guitar. I'm still punching it as hard as I can to make make it make sound. I don't I don't play it as delicately or as finger pickingly as some people play it. So, so yeah, very cool. Can you tell us who the vocalist or uh, lead singer is in Silver Chair, and any additional musicians or players who are on the record? Absolutely. I mean, it's just a trio. So Daniel Johns is the the lead vocalist and guitarist, and uh, he's the main songwriter. Uh, he's the main force behind uh, Silver Chair. So I think, especially growing up, I always uh, had a lot of respect for him and kind of. And I don't want to put him into an idolized category, but I certainly um, regarded him highly and was always very interested, uh, especially when he moved on to later albums of what he was writing. He's certainly an eccentric individual, so he's he's always entertaining. Um, ben Giles is the drummer, and uh, Cristiano is the bassist. Um, but that's it's just the three of them rocking out in a garage, and they they got a really great producer. Um, who recorded them and captured what they were doing very well and, and really, I think, pumped it up. Can you describe where you were when you first heard Frog Stomp? So I definitely, um, I don't think I heard the album itself. I just knew that Silver Chair had released uh, Tomorrow and it was big on the radio all summer long, leading up into like seventh grade, I think, for me. Um, and by, you know, that by that point, a bunch of my friends had had... Uh, t-shirts and um the album cover like posters on their their bedrooms uh walls and ceilings and um by the time i got around to getting into seventh grade i'm pretty sure i snagged somebody's copy um and as far as as far as albums go it's still one of the the albums that i will listen from start to, to, to you know, from beginning to end i'll just push play and, and let the whole thing play um, there, there aren't very many records I do that with, and this is definitely one of them. So I was, I was somewhere in seventh grade, uh, probably borrowing it from some friends in chorus class or, or whatever else I could, I could get my hands on it, whoever had it. Yeah. Do, do you think this is, uh, you know, frog stomp as a whole, do you think it's a concept record or do you think that, you know, many of the individual tracks on this record kind of speak for themselves? I'm going to go ahead and say, um, and this is my personal opinion, I don't know what their intentions were, um, but I'm going to go ahead and say that this wasn't as deep as that. Like, I don't know that it was a concept record so much as the con unless the concept was let's, let's make crunch music and let's rock. Um, if that was the concept, then they, they did it. I would say it's more of a, a snapshot of a moment in time of what was happening between these individuals and then how the musical landscape ha had them responding and, and playing their their music and this is just kind of this is like i think a bunch of dudes had some songs and said hey we need to get this down recorded and play play live um label people industry people they won some competitions in australia for tomorrow and some other stuff when they were like 14 so that's what got them attention on a on a you know, australian level and then even kind of scored them the the ability to have um such a renowned uh, producer at all. Yeah. So. Yeah. I re I remember uh, when silver chair first, you know, made it in America, if you will. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly of the uh, MTV generation where uh, silver chair was getting featured on MTV's buzz clips, which is a, was a very prominent, 
part of MTV's program back in the early to mid nineties. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, not just how jarring that lead single tomorrow was sonically, but I, I don't believe I had ever seen a camera shake the way it did in that music video. And it really just supported the angst and the intensity of that overall track. It was, it was something very new, something very beautiful to me. And it, it made me want to follow their career as much as I could. And, you know, I was, um, you know, really pleased when, uh, when you had decided to, to choose this particular record yeah. as, as something to, to really comb over, if you will. Definitely. So we're talking with my friend Wojo here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, and uh, we are specifically discussing Silverchair's debut record called Frog Stomp. And uh, Neil, I'd like to ask of you, what are your favorite tracks on this record, and why are they your favorite tracks? Um, I think, I, I think uh, historically speaking, the second you put on um, the, the album Israel Sun Comes On, um, and it's just like a, a fantastic introduction to what you're about to experience. It's hard for me to say what, you know, my favorite track is on this album. Um, Tomorrow is such a strong track uh, to begin with. Um, and, you know, it's something I I covered in like my middle school band in like eighth grade. Um, and it, you know, it's just such a... Um, such a classic song there that I, it's hard to compete with, but Israel's Israel's son is also such a fun song and the tempo change and the way that it is. It's just pretty hardcore right out the gates. They don't, they don't like make you wait uh, to get to some really heavy riffs and some grungy tunes. And it's, it's, um, it hits the spot for me personally. This is the kind of sound I really enjoy. And then when you get into some tracks like Prima Massacre, which was big in Australia as well, um, uh, Shade, Cicada, Find a Way. There's a lot of great tracks that I say. That's why I can let this album just play straight through. Um, I really don't stop it for anything. There's not one that I really skip through. Yeah, uh, you know, thinking about Israel's son, you know, I, I really like the the distorted vocals on that with muffled bass sort of underpinning as as the bridge within the track, and then it's just you know you feel like the band is completely possessed as they're screaming. Israel's son. There's just a real like. Th- there's a there's a real heavy influence on you know some of that early uh, Pearl Jam sound. I would think from from Ten. I wonder if that was a you know a very strong influence for them. I I don't doubt they were dabbling heavily in all that uh, that scene that had come out between you know Stand to the Pilots and Nirvana mm-hmm. and Pearl Jam. Screaming Trees, Sonic Youth, all the other things that were going on at the time. I, yeah. I mean, it, it, they very much did just pick up right right there, but with their own, I think, style, um, like as you said. So. You know, in, in thinking about uh, the track Tomorrow, which uh, directly follows Israel's son, there's, a, there's an interesting dichotomy or sort of a, a loud, quiet dynamic, you know, certainly that, you know, I, that I can recall from... Sonic Youth and Dinosaur Jr., you know, particularly in the verse, it's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, finger picking. And then you hear just this really, you know, just kind of crunch, if you will, where 
the guitar is just begging to be released directly into the chorus. You know, that, that line, you know, the water out of the tap is, yeah, is, is very hard to drink. I mean, it, there's a lot of clean guitar with, you know, back to that muddy bass. It's just sort of an interesting, it, it's a very interesting dynamic together, you know, com- com- you know, complimenting the lyrics. Oh, absolutely. And and on the lyrics, what I was going to say, I, you know, if you didn't tell anybody that Daniel Johns is 15 years old cutting that album, do you, do you even believe that he is? Uh, he sounds like a, a grown ass adult who's really just has big, big voice. Um, yeah. 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 Wise beyond is very, a very mature voice. Uh, that's, you know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. When he's, yeah. when he's hitting those tomorrows and those big, you know, tomorrows like uh, at the end and those high notes. And also he, he flicks down the notes and up them, you know, flutters down and up them really well with great control for someone who's screaming such angsty and, you know, loud lyrics. Mm-hmm. He, he seems to be calling, you know, various people out there, you know, whether they're audience members or just uh, casual listener, listeners of the band or potentially just people within, I, I maybe inner circle is, you know, incorrect to be thinking, but just perhaps the general public, there's a line that really stuck out for me. And that was, you say, money isn't everything, but I'd like to see you live without it. That's very in your face, you know, type of lyric who, you know, who do you think he, who do you think he, he, he might be accusing here? I, 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 yeah. I, I feel like the general society, I feel like that's also a line in the second verse that everyone sings. Like, you know, when, when, when people are trying to sing through the song and they caught through the refrain, he'll, he'll start out the second verse. I feel like people chime in on the, like, I'd like to see you live without it almost as a callback in a way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, that, that line is always, I've always enjoyed it when I played it singing that because it, it, it de- deviates from its previous verse and it kind of takes it up a little bit to kind of, you know, highlight it a little bit to, to make it stand out. So I appreciate that line and the, in the way that he presents it as well. Yeah, we're, we're talking to uh, Neil Wojdowski here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, and um, we're covering several tracks here on uh, off of Silver Chair's Frog Stomp. And uh, uh, Neil, you mentioned Pure Massacre. Uh, what is that song? Why do you gravitate towards that track? Uh, mostly because of the imagery. I mean, he's this is Daniel Johns is making early political statements in his music, and he's 15 years old. Um, He'll go on to talk about animal rights and, and among other things um, in later albums too, and um, just kind of like this is a a very um, it's a reference to the wars that that are that they seem to persist. Um, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know which one in particular he's referring to at this time, um, but I just feel like it was a great way of him to you know calling out that this is. This, these kind of atrocities are something that are not not um, they happen a lot they happen all, all the time and that like I just you know like let's talk about them I think and uh, at least bringing awareness and uh, to that you know, kind of war machine does that make sense like yeah. it's just it's yeah. too much like the machine guns pumping hearts are pumping you know they're talking about mowing down people with, with ammunition like that's 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 a lot of pretty graphic imagery for uh, a 15 year old sure i mean the advent of, of of cable television in the early 90s was cnn covering the first iraq war you know if you had right. cable there was there was certainly no escape from seeing that imagery on your television screen right 
You know, there are a lot of descending arpeggiated minor chords that seem to, 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 to really bring this song to the fore on this particular record. And, uh, it's, it's incredibly intense and it's just the, those, those minor chords, you know, are, are certainly, uh, complimentary to the points that they seem to be trying to get across. Uh, you, you not, to mention the, not to mention the dissidence of all those chords and the chaos that that brings to that sound all, as well, you know, to, to complement. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, you mentioned Shade. I believe that is uh, track five on this album. It's sort of a, it sort of has a cool down effect. It just, it allows the, the listener to catch their breath, but not for long. I think, I think for me in particular, I'm, I'm always, um, I'm just going to go ahead and say I have a lot of feels. I have a lot of emotions all the time. Um, and then for me personally, as someone who is, um, you know, I guess in middle school at this point in time, um, the, the, just kind of how it starts and, and what it's talking about, you know, don't go hiding, hiding in the shade. If you were abused, uh, find someone to help you. If you're hurt, why don't you tell someone, don't feel bad. You're not the only one. I, you know, I don't think that, I think we as a society are getting better at this, um, you know, in 2019 about acknowledging the fact that we have serious mental health problems. Um, but I think this is some of the earlier, um, you know, between shade and then suicidal dreams, uh, like, you know, he, he has a lot of, uh, uncomfortable thoughts, um, along with just, you know, the sentiment of like, um, you know, I, I think it is hard to, to grow up, um, and untry to make sense of which way is up and down. And like, at times you, I feel like there's people who don't speak up, who are in bad situations, who, who, um, could use a hand up or a hand or helping hand, um, and, and this kind of underscores whether this is the Me Too um, or, hmm. you know, just our, our general oppression against uh, minorities or diversities or or just the, the general unseen mental health issues that we are having, depression, anxiety, PTSD, PTSD etc. Yeah. Like yeah. these are these are real things. And um, I, I just always really liked emotional lyrics like this kind of thing. These these resonate in me. These uh, these make sense to me. So it's just trying for, for shade in particular, it's, you know, don't, don't hide these feelings. And for suicidal dreams, it's more like he's talking about, uh, I mean, he's literally dreaming about um, how he kills himself. And I'm not saying I was ever subject to something so dark, um, but I, I just the idea that he, he presented it in public and said it out loud and wasn't hiding from any of this. And th- these, it's not a popular song. My parents did not like that I listened to a song called Suicidal Dreams. And that's at the same time, it's not like he was inspiring me to um, go and commit suicide. It was more that we could talk about this idea that, that we have had these thoughts and we're not nearly as ashamed as we used to be. As something as succinct as the line reading about my death was, <laughs> yeah. was very frightening, you know, to, to me as right. the listener, you know, the idea of, you know, being able to step out of your body to, to pick up a newspaper and and learn what people are saying about you now that you are presumably no longer on this plane that we're on, which was, that was just, that's heavy stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I, I was an angsty kid and this all, like, I, I think you hear this narrative, especially around the turn of the, the millennium there about, you know, how our music like Marilyn Manson is influencing people to do whatever. I, I, I disagree. Hearing stuff like this is more just a, um, 
like I said, it resonates in me because uh, it kind of is like, let's let's put some light on it. Let us cast some light on an otherwise dark spot and maybe, you know, let the sun shine in. And perhaps we can talk about this more and we can have more transparency and maybe we can have more help and assistance. But we can't we can't identify identify the void that we don't see or that we don't talk about. We have to talk about it or call it out. Yeah, there's a, there's an interesting, you know. An uh, additional thought in there that there's there's another line that stuck out in my mind, which was bullied because of jealousy. You know, you often think sometimes somebody can be bullied to the point of, uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, no return, and they want to do something, you know, completely catastrophic to them, something that would, you know, impact people that are close to them. But being bullied because of jealousy and the awareness of why this character thinks they're they're being bullied, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's just so sad and unfortunate that somebody, you know, who thinks that this is the reason why they're being bullied, you know, unfortunately is having a difficult time rising above, you know, their own awareness of what's going on. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think, you know, especially with kids and teenagers and high schoolers, et cetera, um, especially, you know, personally, um, uh, the jealousy, the part about, you know, making fun of me for no reason, but jealousy, it's, it's kind of like, um, these, there's, there's so many of these kids I met growing up that, um, to, to, in order to feel good about themselves, it had to come at the expense of someone else's suffering. Um, and that's, you know, whether like I was a kid, I was a, uh, Catholic school transfer to a public school. Um, for me personally, like, uh, the more that I excelled in sports or tried to play music and be more in a spotlight, the more um, the, I'll just call them haters, the more that haters uh, would uh, jar me, the louder they'd get, or the more uh, persistent they would become. Um, I, I never had so many troubles until I, you know, got, got onto starting lineups or uh, decided I wanted to make music and put on shows or be in talent shows or, or things like that, you know. How dare I? How dare I partake in a musical and play on the basketball and football team, kind of thing? Like it doesn't even make sense in some way. Yeah. Um, why should those things intersect in school? They're they're, in, they're, they're in different. Any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I also I was in the marching band and I was on the football team and I had to march in my uniform in my football uniform at times. And if you know anything um, about, I th- I want to say, <clears throat> just that aggressive. Uh, kid youth uh male testosterone like we're all a bunch of jocks you're not you don't fit in like it it just got bad and i i've never i've never quite um fit in with that popular or jock crowd in those ways because i've i just remember how they they're they're pack animals a lot of times and that's how i felt you know so like coming back full circle those pack animals needed to to put other people down to, to feed off of them and feel, you know, you know, to feel, feel good about themselves. Like, you know, you saw it so many times, the two or three or, or five kids that rolled around in a click that picked on so-and-so who was a loner because they had safety in numbers and, you know, whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Talking to my friend, Neil Wojdowski here about silver chairs, frog stomp on cover to cover with Matt Tarka. And, uh, the next track on this particular record is it's a nice segue. And that is cicada. Uh, this particular song, you know, for me, um, it, it has a very kind of Neil young, uh, rocking in the free world sort of vibe to it. 
and there's just this 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 real tension and and various uh release points you know that seems to be talking about a childhood run amok and you know various themes we're talking about are depression ptsd being bullied in school this is uh this is a nice it's a nice kind of coda on that particular those those themes and ideas that that we heard in the previous track yeah no i i mean this is where I say, you know, um, I chose this album because of how much it influenced me. But if you really want to dig into the content and you want to talk about it like in depth and analyze it, I'm not sure that Daniel John is going to be in a, in a position to want to really entertain it. He's going to be like, hey, I was 15 writing about 15 year old thoughts. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, these were these are real thoughts that, um, you know, these are thoughts that made sense to me as well. Um, especially you know, to me, I, I take this as kind of like broken home uh, kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. and, and where, where just the, um, this, the support, whether that's family or relatives or whatever, just isn't there. Um, and it's the, you know, it's sticking with that theme of that kind of those angsty kids, like you said, there's a lot of, there's anger here, there's angst here. Um, and there's a point to it and he's trying to say something about this. Um, so yeah, that's, it's, it kind of really does fall along the same, the same kind of, uh, thematic vibe i guess you know content yeah so we're talking about silver chairs frog stomp here and uh the final track on this record is a song called find a way and it to my ears it's it's interesting like kind of like punk pop uh departure you know compared to all the themes yeah. all, all of all of the various colors on the palette uh that silver chair you know was utilizing you know throughout the course of this whole record really antithetical and you know what what really made me laugh here was you can hear kevin shirley you know guiding the band through recording this song and it sounds like they just can't stop laughing at it, it i don't know if it's the prospect of the song or the fact that they just you know can't nail you know the final take that they want from the record so you hear you, you hear them in unison you know counting everything off together and they launch into this track. There's this very positive message, you know, basically saying, don't give in. We'll find a way of, you know, I've really in enjoyed a lot of the drum tones that, uh, that they were able to get in the studio. It reminds me of some of those early uh, Green Day records that Al Sobrante uh, drummed. This is pre, uh, pre Trey Cool. And yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of like really just pump, punchy, punchy, uplifting uh, snare cracks that are happening, you know, between the notes and stuff like that. Um, really interesting. Uh, what, do, what do you think? Yeah. I, I definitely, I'll say that um, as someone, as, for someone who is such a stickler and so intent and focused on lyrics and lyrical content a lot of the time, uh, the reason I like this song is absolutely just because it has a pumped up tempo and it's like pop punk. <laughs> it's, that's the only, that's one of the reasons that really, I, I like the finish on this album because you can like turn up the, the the volume in the car and throw the windows down and it's still it's it's the right tempo it's loud enough um like you said it's fun because they're kind of you know clipping in some of that live studio just random stuff um but it, it still kicks ass it has that popped up tempo and like you said the drums the drums really make it move and um yeah it makes me beat on my steering wheel to the time singing the words <laughs> that's that's yes. exactly that's the exact sentiment I get when I when I roll through it. So absolutely a great track to kind of wrap up on. Like this is this kind of comes back to my 
over analysis of Daniel Johns's sentiment here. I don't know that he thinks he has a lot to say in the song, but it's a it just kicks ass though. <laughs> it's fine. It, it, absolutely, absolutely. Last but not least, we like to ask all of our guests here this question. We live in a universe now where information and music can be easily accessed in the palm of our hand or with a click of a few buttons. And even in the 21st century, artwork continues to remain a cornerstone with each newly released single or full-length album. What is conjured up in your mind when you look at Frog Stomp? Um, I actually I actually very much wind up seeing us practicing uh, for this uh, middle school uh, rock band show. We just decided to play six songs. Tomorrow is one of the ones. Uh, I kept trying to push to play Glycerine by Bush, but the, the chorus instructor person wasn't having it because it wasn't incorporating enough uh, other instruments and things. So we wound up playing some Weezer, Say It Ain't So, um, and Foxy Lady and some other stuff too. Oh, I think we even covered Flood by Charles uh, of Clay, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. among other yeah. things. But uh, it takes me back to basically hanging out in, in middle school and hanging out with um, – some of my friends in that time in that era, uh, you know, I was I was just getting into learning how to play guitar. I just had bought I had only been playing for like two years, and I was not good. I had a, I struggled a lot just to play uh, the simple four upstrokes of "Say It Ain't So." Um, um, definitely wasn't able to play and sing at the same time in any capacity. Um, I was doing a lot of trampolining at the time because, uh, you know, you're young and a bunch of your friends have trampolines and we were just always hanging out at our houses and blasting Stone Temple Pilots, Nirvana, uh, Silverchair um, were just our, our main main jams. Mm-hmm. Um, so it takes me it takes me right back there. I can I can basically see the inside of the chorus class and, and name, name off a bunch of my middle school uh, peers as well in nice. that scene. Yeah. Nice. Wojo, it's been such a pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you so much for making some time in, in your schedule to uh, to talk with us here on Cover to Cover and share this record, uh, Silverchair's debut effort called Frog Stomp. That's really, you know, it seems impacted the course of your life and career in music. Oh, absolutely! I, you know, thank you for for thinking of me and reaching out whenever you presented this to me. Um, I thought it was a really fun exercise. I there's there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of albums or tracks or bands that I can think of um, that influenced my upbringing or influenced uh, or though that really stand out to me over the course of time here. But I I don't know that. I don't know that any of them had such weight or impact. And maybe that's because I, I just, you know, as far as kind of just waking up to the world as a teenager, really finally starting to figure out what I'm about and having thoughts of my own, I guess, you know, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Uh, really, you know, so it, it was such a shapely time for it. Um, like I even, even, impactful albums since then they're, they're thrown into a sea of other albums and, you know, they may not always move the needle, but this was so early on and it moved the needle so hard. Um, it, I would be remiss to not mention, uh, this as an album. And, and again, the main, main reason why is I, I was, I grew up on oldies and all of a sudden everyone wants to, everyone's playing this loud music that really makes a lot of sense to my, my soul. 
Um, and I, I could not get enough of it. I just, I, I was born just a few years too late. I wish I could have caught that, that scene and been to more live shows instead of just like, uh, think about them in hindsight. Um, but yeah, at the same time, uh, great, great era, great time for music, very exciting time. I think personally for, for rock after it kind of felt falling off the, the planet or being, turned into that the hair hair metal and things like that that we saw through the 80s and then coming back to like this this grunge scene and just getting like uber real and in your face and i i love it yeah fortunately these bands too had not just the wherewithal and the budget to uh go into the studio and and commit these tracks to wax you know as as quickly as they possibly could because you know, some bands, you know, continue to to capture the imagination like Silverchair. And, you know, personally, I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad for them. I'm glad that, you know, somebody saw not just their potential, but the uh, just the amazing song writing and song craft that was coming out of these young bucks at such an early age to say, hey, this, you know, yeah. you got to hear this. This is great. No, absolutely. It's such a... Um they're they're such a, a staple of my my this this period of time i think um that they they deserve a mention up in here so you know really like you said kudos to them the people who discovered them or kind of helped them get up but also kudos to being 14 years old 15 years old and knocking it the fuck out of the park that you get that kind of recognition i mean i'm <laughs> i'm not doing that now <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, that was a, a self awareness moment. But yeah, so but no, this is a we can we can cut that. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm happy to leave that in. <laughs> because, but uh, no, Frog Stuff was great. I I still like even after we brought it up, I threw it back on, and it actually made me go into the next albums um, as well. I I like um, the follow up album Freak Show and Neon Ballroom is fantastic. Um, I just. Uh, Big fan of Soldier, big fan of Daniel Johns. Um, kind of wish they stuck together and kept writing these days, but I, I, I think they're all kind of tired of e each other. And um, the Australian Symphony is no longer making music with them. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, they, not not because they don't want to. It's just they started incorporating everything. They threw all kinds of sounds into their music. Um, I almost I almost feel as though he just kind of accomplished so much. He was like, I'm not sure where I can take this and has released a solo album, but I haven't heard it. Nice. Whoa, Joe, it's been right. such a pleasure, dude. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. thank you as well, Mr. Tarka. I hope to uh, see you again soon. I'll see you around the way, and thanks for having me. All right. All right. Thanks so much to Neil Wojdowski for taking some time to stop by the show today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, even TuneIn. Take a moment to tell a friend or family about our show and feel free to drop us a line at hello at cover to cover conversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Alexandria, Virginia. And we hope you discovered some new music today, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover.